Welcome to Overthinkers Anonymous. My name is Jonah, and I'm an overthinker. And I can't stop thinking about why that one girl just didn't text me back. Wow. I hate that. It's awful. Hi. It's an awful feeling. Do I introduce myself now? If you want to, yeah. 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 You can Hi. use your real name, or you can use an alias. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with an alias. Hi. My name is New York Vinny, and uh, I am an overthinker. I overthink about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what are some of the things that you overthink about? I would have to say that, you know, and I discovered this actually just today. I was thinking about, I never overthink about the future, but I think about things that I've done in the past. And those are the things that haunt me the worst. And it's funny, if I think about the future, I guess because I feel like I have control over my future, I can look at it in a positive attitude. But as soon as I start thinking about something I did once before, it it terrifies me, the fact that I can't go back and change it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, It's almost like it weighs heavier on you because it already happened. Whereas like things that happen that will happen in the future that could happen in the future are more abstract and therefore not as weighty. Yeah. On your conscious. Time is a very weird thing to to think about. I mean, chemically, emotionally in our bodies, we don't like fully uh, our memories. As far as we're concerned, they, they don't exist within the realm of time. You know, and mm-hmm. it's weird, weird to think about the fact that you can relive something that happened years and years and years ago, like it was just yesterday and and feel all the same emotions and get and get all of the same energy from that experience that you had so long ago. It's it's interesting and weird to me. It's like a flashback, right? Like, a yeah, unintentional acid flashback to a time where you were traumatized essentially yeah or just in a really traumatic position or in a you were going through a traumatic experience that was really tough on you that was memorable for some reason or another and usually the reason why it's memorable is a negative reason yeah i mean even even situations that aren't inherently considered traumatic by by most people's standards um, can be replayed in, in your mind and in your body, the way your body reacts to it, makes it seem almost traumatic. Um, and I have some funny stories about that. But for, uh, why don't we talk about what you opened up with? Because I'm curious about that girl that never texted back. <laughs> Why didn't she text me back? Seriously. I mean, I thought we had a really good conversation going. We were joking around a bit. We were flirting a bit. We were sending each other memes, sending each other music. And now, radio silence. Like what? Did I say something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Did I not do something? Did I not say enough? Did I not schedule a date soon enough? What's the issue here? I don't know. 
she just too busy? She could have at least told me. But, I mean, I think she's ghosting me. Why does this always happen? Seriously, do their grandparents have to deal with this shit? I mean, I guess if you're not directly involved in someone's life, just interfacing from a distance, it's easy to just disappear quote unquote ghost people because unless your neighbors you go to the same school or work at the same place, then there's a very low chance you'll see them in person. I for one would prefer at least a courtesy goodbye, like hey, I'm leaving your life, you'll never hear from me again. So until next time, Until next time. It's weird because usually I wouldn't care, but I feel like with this girl in particular, uh, we had already developed a rapport with each other. Mm. And we had already had, we already have a, we already had a good thing going, I guess. Like we were texting, sending each other memes, sending mm. each other music as you do with new matches on Bumble or Tinder or Plenty of Fish or whatever. Yeah. dating app whatever dating app your choice is but mm. um yeah it, it kind of stings a little bit more because it feels like it's more of a rejection of you rather than the abstract potential mate that yeah was initially yeah. your name in their contact list or in their tinder bumble messages and like after you've i guess added each other on instagram followed each other and had uh you know pretty pretty good conversations after after that and then for them to ghost you afterwards it feels like a more complete rejection if that mm -hmm. makes sense yeah yeah i i think that's the one weird thing about ghosting not not just in relationships but even in friendships uh or or, or <laughs> i once uh th this is actually how i've gotten out of some uh business arrangements also i've ghosted <laughs> Uh, the the person that was trying to get in touch with me for like a mm -hmm. job interview I went on and I was like I really don't want to do this and then <laughs> I kind of just never responded to all their messages they, they sent me voice messages eventually they just gave up <laughs> he must have died or something oh uh, yeah it's the only logical explanation <laughs> but um <laughs> ghosting is, is it is a weird thing to think about because you can't really do it without access to some sort of technological communication even when i say technological i mean something even as simple as as mail you know writing letters um you, you need some sort of form of, of media in order to ghost someone yeah and... you need a contact you need a way to contact them you need to have a consistent line of contact i guess yeah yeah and and genetically i feel like the human race uh, how, how we've progressed in technology so quickly quickly uh instinctively isn't prepared for the concept of communicating without actually seeing somebody even mm -hmm. like we're doing right now over over message, phone calls, all that kind of stuff. We, I don't feel like 
over anchor.fm <laughs> yeah yeah um um it's it, so it, it is strange it's kind of a disembodied communication isn't it like um it's kind of hacking our brains because yeah we're wired to have eye contact with someone and we talk mm-hmm. to them and we're, we're wired to read body language too and we don't get that with a disembodied phone call or yeah. uh, a video chat or a voice chat you get some of it in a video chat you can see more mm-hmm. of the person you can see their facial expressions and whatnot but yeah. you only see what they choose to let you see mm-hmm. and um yeah it's even with making a podcast it's it's very strange it's like i've had this conversation about phone calls before mm-hmm. about how it's just so weird that you're literally bending space and time to talk to somebody from across the world or from you know however yeah. many kilometers away or miles away from you um, yeah, it's weird <laughs> it's so weird and it's it's I, really just electronic pulses right or just um ones I, and I zeros mean, to think about it you and i actually live in two different time zones yeah and and, and um over by me it, it is currently one o'clock <laughs> in the morning it's, it's 11 p.m here and and to to think that we we're not even looking at if I were to look at the sky we're not even looking at the same stars right now. That's <laughs> it, fascinating. It, it's just so bizarre to 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 think about it, you know. Yeah. You know, just just to get it all into perspective to see the entire system as it is is it's cool, but at the same time, it's kind of weird <laughs> i try not to think about it and i think most people don't but us overthinkers do yeah we do tend to think about this kind of stuff and it's kind of mind-blowing but if you try to think about it too much it might be a detriment yeah yeah um, i mean i think that i think the be- best thing to do about it though is is to not be afraid of it because there is that element uh, uh, with technology that as technology progresses people tend to get nervous about new things things that they don't quite understand um and yeah for sure you know you know the, the i mean back in the 90s i think now it's really calmed down but in the 90s and the early 2000s there was that huge fear of ai and and the whole concept of like artificial intelligence taking over the world was like the topic. And now it's not so much of a, a I mean, I haven't heard of much sci-fi about AI now being a detriment mm-hmm. as much as it is humankind using AI to do bad things in fiction. I mean, in like, you know, whatnot. I fall more along the lines of that camp that humanity is going to be the cause of destruction of its own destruction and demise rather yeah. than technology. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like technology has always been something that's, that's helped us and that's been co-evolved with us. And yeah. essentially as just as our, our hammers have evolved into like jackhammers and, you know, our simple tools evolved into complex tools mm-hmm. and our, stone tablets have turned into iPads, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, essentially, um, artificial intelligence is just technology catching up to us. Yeah. And I think it's our responsibility to father 
or to parent, let's, let's use the word parent, to mm-hmm. parent a new generation or a new species into coexisting with us peacefully. Like we have to show it, if, if this is a new like child species that we're making, that we're mm-hmm. helping bring into actualization, we have a responsibility to make it civil or to te- educate it to become civil and to coexist with us peacefully. Uh, yeah. and I think there would be no problem with that, especially if, if it's going to be, uh, it's, if it's going to have a lot more brain power than we do. Yeah, um, I think, I think the one, one thing though, that is very difficult, um, especially for, um, uh, let, let's, let's put it this way. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Star Trek. I love Star Trek. Um, awesome. I, I don't know how much you know about Star Trek or if you watch Star Trek at all. Nothing at all. Nothing well, at all? Okay. I mean, I know, I know the main characters of the original Star Trek, like Captain Kirk and Spock and yeah, then um, Scotty. But other than that, I, I don't know much about the lore. So if we were to just get into one specific topic, um, it, the one thing that's constantly brought up um, – from Spock because Spock is Vulcan is logic and, and the Vulcans have kind of learned to uh, shun emotion or, or, you know, not, you know, not use emotion and, and stick strictly to logic and emotion is illogical and anything that isn't logical is useless to them. They're quite stoic then. Yeah. So to have a um, to have a machine or, or a computer try and learn a complex topic that is unique to humans, like morality or um, or love, uh, I feel like would be be difficult without that you know human element because humans i always felt were um more um how do you say uh almost uh almost telepathic in a way Hmm. um like you know when when somebody walks into a room you know somebody that you're close to you you know right away if they're in a bad mood or not you don't you don't need to look at their face intuition yeah you don't you don't need to have that's something that computers would not really be able to have unless it's something that they learned themselves you know Mm. they might have it on a superficial level maybe yeah intellectual level they might have an intellectual Mm -hmm. understanding and grasp of it but maybe the actual subjective experience of that feeling or the of those emotions and feelings might not be accessible to them yeah that's it's fascinating. It's, it's it's really interesting to think about it because, um, c- com- comparing ourselves to something like a computer makes us almost seem makes us as humans almost seem supernatural with our abilities of of yeah. you know that that instinct that tuition into intuition. And I look, I look into the future with hope. You know, I think things might get worse, but 
you know, I think things are going to get worse before they start getting better, but I don't know. I'm, I don't have it. I don't have a, uh, a negative view on what is to come. I'm actually quite excited about the future. Um, you're an optimist. Well, when it comes to future events, not current events. Okay. That's fair. Um, yeah, I, I myself identify as more specifically a techno-optimist. It's the idea that technology is ultimately going to serve the greater good. And okay. I highly believe that. Um, like that any advancement in technology can continually improve our lives for the better rather than like as a net positive. I guess yeah. any, any tool can be uh, appropriated for negative reasons. But I think overall humanity the the good of humanity will win over and maybe that's just me being naive mm. having grown up on fairy tales and disney disney movies <laughs> um but yeah i think i think good always prevails i think you know there's always a you know the yin and yang dichotomy of yeah. light and dark and good and bad um but i think um it's just that's just life like yeah. It's not all bad and it's not all good. It's it's more complex than that. You can't yeah. really uh, make it black and white, right? You can't really simplify it to the point where you're like, oh, it's all shit. Well, there's good yeah. things in the shit too. You know, there's, there's... Defi- there's definitely, you know, uh, those that are, you know, if we if we were to put it this way, and I think, have you ever read either the Iliad? Uh, have you ever read the Iliad? Uh, in school, yeah, in English class, but I don't remember was, much about it. Yeah, there was there's one thing about the Iliad that I found very interesting, and it's you know we're talking about two warring parties, two warring sides. You know, um, if um, I think I believe Ithaca and Troy mm-hmm. yeah. uh, were were at war, and uh, basically the goddess. Um, Aphrodite uh, kidnapped Helen of Troy and mm-hmm. or Helen of Ithaca and gave her to Paris of Troy and she became Helen of Troy and this whole long thing. But the whole entire time, it doesn't put, it doesn't identify a good character or a bad character. There is no villain in the mm-hmm. story. Both sides are justified for their actions. And yeah. You know, that's what's really interesting about real life is that, you know, when you when we have conflicts with people, we're always going to be the heroes of our own stories, you know. Yeah. And life isn't like that. You know, mm-hmm. there is no good guy or bad guy. And ultimately, I hate to say it, we're a selfish race and we want to um, improve ourselves and and we want what's best for us. Um, not to say that we don't want what's good for others, but, you know, I want to talk about what I want to talk about. And I want to, you know, I want to do something that I want to do. I want a job that I like, you know, instead yeah. of I want a job that needs to be done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We'll always be looking out for number one. Well, like any philanthropic thing that we do, we'll always have uh, our ego in the equation, right? Yeah. Um, 
anything nobody necessarily does, a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but nobody does just anything out of the maybe very rarely there's a one or two yeah. people in the world, like the one percent, who would do something out of the goodness of their heart without needing any recognition, without needing yeah. any sort of reward for it. But yeah, you, you you mentioned a lot of things there that there's a lot of a lot of things we can dig into. But um Yeah. Like I love the moral complexity that you mentioned of in mm. stories, like where there is no clear cut good guy or bad guy. That's what yeah. I loved about Black Panther. Um mm. I feel like that's that's definitely a postmodernist villain. Uh a great example of one, the Killmonger. Uh the I, idea I'm, that yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna lie, I haven't seen Black Panther. So oh. I well, actually I actually don't know. Um just just to avoid spoilers as much as possible, like I feel like the Killmonger, the, the villain is quite morally complex and he has he has quite noble reasons for attaining what he wants to attain, but mm-hmm. his execution is quite extreme. Yeah, quite poor. Uh, yeah. Quite poor, and he he's looking out for his own people. It's it's a very tribalistic mindset that he has, and I feel like it's a the tribalistic mindset that a lot of humanity has, especially in 2020. Now that you know we yeah. have we've had this pandemic, we've had Trump in 2016, who I guess galvanized people into showing their true colors. I guess in in terms of uh, you know how they feel about certain things about how how they feel about certain people, about certain policies. Anyway, anyway I don't want to get too political. But um, mm-hmm. what, I, what I'm saying is that um, moral complexity, I think, is a, it's, it, makes, it makes the characters more realistic. Yeah. If the character truly believes in what they're... If the, if the villain truly believes in what they're trying to attain, then, and they're hell-bent on, on getting what they want, Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes them much more fascinating than someone who just wants everybody to to serve them and, or to quote unquote rule the world, right? Like yeah, the mustache twirling villain. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. You know, um, the bygone era. Yeah, and that's like that's getting into like the difference between purely selfish intentions and and an emotional battle that someone is is having to deal with. Like I think that one of the greatest examples of that kind of thing is like is the concept of you know i want to protect you know if we're going to go with alien races i think it's the best way to go um if i want to protect my race um from being killed by the evil people in these other races instead of just saying i'm going to remove those evil people they're going to say, I'm going to wipe out this entire race, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it, like yeah. like that, that kind of, that kind of mentality, like, yeah, the cause is good. They're, they're, you know, they're afraid of, of this other race, you know, destroying them. But then again, they're going and committing genocide to protect themselves, which is completely wrong, you know? Yeah. I feel like it makes it makes it infinitely more interesting if there is some modicum of justifiability mm-hmm. in their actions, even though they might have a blind spot, they might have a cognitive distortion in their thinking or a fatal flaw that yeah. makes them 
act in a in evil ways mm-hmm. i guess and uh i i believe that there there is a right and wrong i believe that there is moral morally right and mm-hmm. just things to do and morally wrong things to do and i believe you can draw that line uh yeah. but it's it's really our choices that define us whether or not we are ultimately heroes or villains in our stories yeah and uh yeah, yeah like what what I love about Breaking Bad? Have you seen Breaking Bad? I've seen some of it. Okay, well, Breaking Bad, long and short of it, is it's uh, about a high school teacher who uh, gets diagnosed with lung cancer, has to uh, essentially become a drug dealer or a, a meth dealer, a meth kingpin, mm-hmm. to uh, keep his family afloat and to provide mm-hmm. his family after he's gone. Yeah. And uh, what I love about it is over five seasons. Walter White and the characters uh, like Jesse Pinkman and Hank Schrader and Mike Ermintrout. Mm-hmm. As you can tell, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the show. It's one of my favorite shows. I think it's one of the gold standards of television. But um, they, they're constantly faced with choices. Uh, and there is always, a, there's usually a clear cut right choice and wrong choice. Yeah. And what's consistent about Walt's character is that he always makes the wrong choice because he's very ego-driven and he has mm, uh, yeah. fatal hubris, like a, you know, unreasonable amount of hubris. Yes, and, the, uh, the I- iconic Greek deterrent. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Greek, uh, what do you call F- flaw of humanity. The fatal flaw, yeah. The fatal I, flaw. Yeah. What is that term again? Um, there's a term for it. It's, I think it's a Greek word. Let me just look it up real quickly. Um, Hamartia? Are you familiar with that? Oh no, that's that's uh, Rick Riordan's word. No, I yeah, I don't know that word. <laughs> I feel like there was another word for fatal flaw in Greek that I that I knew, but I might be misremembering, confusing it with another word. But uh, hamartia is another word for a fatal flaw used mainly in the context of literature in reference to characters. They're often the same for demigod children of the same godly origin. It is stated by Athena that the most dangerous flaws are those that are good in moderation in the Titan's Curse. I grew up with those books, actually, the Rick, Rick Riordan, uh, Percy Jackson books. Oh, yeah? Yeah, those were my favorite I... books growing up. Cool. Or one I, one I, of I, my favorite book series. I've, I've never read them, and... Um... I, I don't know if I really would like to, but I don't know if my um, I, I have this horrible. This is one of my flaws. One of my fatal flaws mm. <laughs> um, is that I am uh, when it comes to original stories, I like accuracy. And once somebody starts writing about like oh, right. t- t- taking stuff and 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 doing their own stuff with it, I-, I get like this horrible cocky attitude. Like, well, that's nothing like the original text. What are they even yeah. doing? <laughs> and I'm like, I know this is a horrible thing to be, you know, to to do. And this person is taking some beautiful artistic liberties with some very cool ancient Greek myths, and I'm going to be like, this is nothing like Homer. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, get off your Trojan horse, man. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like I like the idea of remix culture. The idea that you can take somebody else's work mm-hmm. or even you can take myths and uh do your own thing with them. Yeah. And uh it is it is really cool. It is really cool. Yeah. I'm a I'm a huge fan of Greek mythology and I've I've spent, especially with this whole quarantine and everything, I've spent a lot of my free time uh, studying it and um, really, really getting into it because um, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but in, in this episode, but I'm very much into language. And I know you know this. Yeah. And the, the English language, if you really want to understand it, you do have to know Greek mythology because mm. so much of our words in have you ever seen my big fat Greek wedding I have yeah all right so there's that line where where Gus says he's like give me any word and I will tell you that it comes from the Greek you know that well he's not wrong a Mm -hmm. lot of the words in the English language come from ancient Greek and that's just something that that's something I find really cool anyway I didn't know that yeah um Yeah. yeah no language is fascinating um I love reading about linguistic relativity and how mm-hmm. the words we use shape our perceptions of the world. Yeah. Even yeah. down to like the cardinal system, like the, not the cardinal system, but the, the orientation, like the north, south, west, east, yeah. like the. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, how I think the aboriginals of. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Of, of, of Australia, they go. That's what I'm they, thinking of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they basically. Um, you know, every, everything, they don't use left or right. They use north, south, east, and west for everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, if if they're, um, if you're going to ask them to arrange a series of pictures uh, about a story in order, what we would do as Western, you know, uh, as a part of the Western culture is we would arrange them from left to right. Yes, People, yeah. People from the Middle East who speak Arabic or uh, uh, Farasi, Farsi, they would arrange it from right to left. Mm-hmm. And uh, other cultures would arrange it from top to bottom. Uh, and I think it's so cool that this culture, I think it's north to south. I, I oh. could be wrong. Is Do you it, know what I'm talking about? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Like in terms of just the the norms, like the the conventional directions in which they they speak in or like they think in yeah they they'll think in like north to south so whatever direction they're facing if they were to arrange um a series of pictures a mm-hmm. series of events in order from one to the next instead of going from left to right like we would or right to left or top to bottom they would go from north to south whichever direction north is for them mm. yeah that's fascinating so they just have it's, it oriented in their head at all times? Yeah. They just yeah, have it just, subconsciously, like a mental They just compass. have a perfect, a perfect sense of um, direction. And, and, that's, and in their very language, they wouldn't say left hands and right hands. They would say whatever cardinal direction they're facing, their north hand and their south hand, or their east hand and their west hand, you know. Which is weird to me, but that's that's how their language works, and it's it's very cool. 
If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. One, it's free. Two, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Seven, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And 69, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Uh, One of those words people tend to throw around a lot, I feel, in the English language um, is the word love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I'm I'm sure if you've been in relationships and, and, and had close friendships and whatnot, you'll hear this all the time. Uh, the word the word love and you automatically don't know exactly what they mean in greek there's so many different words for love there's familial love friend friendship love you know the, yeah. uh, um, the, there's romantic love uh you know eros philia i forget i forget i used to know all of them and uh agape and they're, they're all it's a very clear language and, and it's a nice language to write contracts in because it can be very descriptive. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, if I were to summarize the English language like this, I could say to you, we just won the lottery. Who is we? Like, Oh, you. Yeah. But who is we? <laughs> is it A me group and of my people? family? Is it oh, me and okay. my family? Yeah. Is it you and me? You and me won the lottery. Me and my <laughs> family. Who, who is we? And and that's the horrible thing about the English language is is we don't have that that differentiation between um, inclusive and exclusive. Mm. You know, am I including you in this word we? You know, right. And uh, as as much as you know, I would love to be able to speak other languages fluently, which, which I don't. Um, English is my only language and I have to figure out how to use it Mm -hmm. with, you know, and I I find, especially talking to people who, you know, I have, you know, we have a friend in Egypt, you and I, um, and, you know, I, I have friends in other, other parts of the world that speak other languages and, and, I, I've learned this from trying to communicate with them and then they realize, well, in my language, we have a word for this that you don't have in English. And I, I, I'm just like, man, I wish we had that word. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, it's, it really does limit the way we communicate if we don't have certain words for certain things. Yeah. Uh, one thing that this reminds me of is that in Filipino, the pronouns are gender neutral, I believe. I have not spoken it uh, Filipino and fluently for a very long time. I just use like single words to talk to my parents sometimes, but mostly it's in English nowadays. But yeah, uh, yeah like it, I think um, in Filipino and Tagalog and Visaya, the, the languages, the dialects that I know, uh, there aren't any exclusively male or female gender pronouns. There's just sia, mm. sila, nia, uh, ako, ikaw, kayo. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, kami, tayo, ninyo, uh, nila, namin natin, that stuff. Like, ours and ours, it's not, um, like, his and hers is just, like, nia and nia. And mm. uh, he and she is a sia and sia. Wait, it's, what is it? Sia. They're both the same. Yeah, it's the, it's just one just, word. Yeah. It's just it's literally just they and them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The rough translation is they them. Okay, interesting. Now you know, and 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 that brings up that topic of of gender. You know, gen- linguistic gender. I'm not talking about. You know, I'm not going to get into uh, uh, modern gender gender. You know. Um, yeah. Oh, I know what pronouns you mean. and what whatnot. I'm not going to get into that whole whole topic, but in uh, linguistically, it's interesting how gender completely affects, like you were saying, the perception of of certain things. Um, I think in German, I don't know the exact word for it, uh, but the word the German word for key, their their nouns have gender also. So take the word key. The German word for key is masculine. Okay. So if you were to ask a German, so if you were to ask a German person to describe the describe a key, they're going to say it's it's metal, it's hard, it's cold, it's got jagged edges. You use it to unlock things. That's how a German person would describe a key. But now take a Spanish person. The Spanish word for key is llave. Okay. Llave, and that is feminine. You ask a, a Spanish person to describe a key, and they're going to say. It's uh, golden, ornate, delicate, fancy, small. Mm-hmm. And they're going to start attributing these, you know, feminine, you know, stereotypically feminine attributes to it because linguistically, key in, in Spanish, llave, is feminine. Interesting. And, and it's so weird how that can completely per- change your uh, uh, what's it called? Your perception. Perception. Thank you. Completely change your perception on the world when your your nouns are gendered, which is something that we don't have in English. We used to, but you know that that has mm-hmm. since long changed since old English. That's a completely different different world. Those are <laughs> those are neural networks at play right there um, when you yeah. associate masculine or feminine words with masculine or feminine stereotypes or, or things uh, that are associated with masculinity, masculinity and femininity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really fascinating because even it's interesting in English, we don't have traditionally masculine or feminine words, do we? No, no. I, I mean, I, I think when we're talking about pronouns, yeah, we definitely have masculine and feminine. Yeah. Um, I think there are certain, certain words that we kind of attribute masculine and feminine qualities to like flower and you know um vagina well yeah obviously um, um i think it's a very phonetic word I, like i i was like partly saying that for humor but like it's a very phonetically pleasing word it's like a also very aesthetic word i pay yeah. attention to that a lot like um something else like roses mm-hmm. is quite a nice word to say phonetically and it's it's quite you would say it's more feminine than it is masculine right and uh yeah what else uh chrysanthemum chrysanthemum like just flowers 
But that, that's another thing. A lot of these words are attri- uh, attributed specifically to women. You'll, you, can meet, you can hear people whose names are like, I remember reading a book growing up uh, uh, about a little mouse who her name was Chrysanthemum. And it's mm. like attributed to a girl. Same thing with uh, Rose. You will definitely meet people whose name is Rose, you know, and they're all women. You know, you're never going to meet a, na- a, a man, at least not that I know of, named Rose. It's funny how um, I activated that neural network of that book that you read. Yeah. About uh, chrysanthemum. It is a pretty word. I do have to admit it's a pretty word and it would make a very nice name. I said it earlier. That's why it just, it just came to my head. It was a newly activated neural network branch in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then, then you have like truck. Truck is a very Truck, yeah. masculine word. Yeah. Or even. Um, have, yeah, you go ahead. Have you have you have you ever heard of? Uh, uh, I think it was, boba and tiki. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like uh, yeah, associating with shapes and stuff. Yeah. How how um, there there was just, just to summarize it, um, there was this test that was done where they showed people two objects one was sharp and pointy and with jagged edges and the other one was like round and curvy and and they asked people uh that he they told people that these objects had names one was named boba and the other one was named tiki Mm -hmm. which one was named boba and which one was named tiki and almost everybody not not all people but a lot of people said that Tiki was the sharp and jagged one, whereas mm-hmm. Boba was the round, bubbly one, you know. Tiki just sounds sharp and jagged, too, though. Like, Tiki, Tiki, Tiki. It, just, it does, yeah. And then Boba, you have Boba. It's like, Boba, you already have O in there, so it's, like, already more rounder, bubbly. I, I, I think of bubbles when I think of Boba. Yeah, Boba. Because that might be because yeah. of bubble tea or something, but yeah. um, Boba is, like, it just feels like, a rounder, more soft and cuddly word. Yeah, yeah. I would cuddle with that word. And... <laughs> Me too. Absolutely. I'd be a little spoon. And, and that's actually that's why um, if you listen to the first words that babies say, they always attribute mama to the mother and dada to the father because ah. dada is sharp and jagged and masculine, whereas mama is soft and round and feminine. You blow my mind here. Yeah. <laughs> Even though this Language is like, is this cool. is all stuff I've, I've definitely read about and thought about before. Um, I, it's, this is making me think of uh, synesthesia. Yes. So I think yeah. I have very mild synesthesia. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like all of these things are totally relate to synesthesia. They, I think synesthesia is just the highly reactive firing in neural networks or uh, mm-hmm. associative memory in the brain. Because yeah. um, the brain is highly associative. And um, like my, my, my favorite example, actually the, the moment when I first thought that maybe I have synesthesia or I experienced synesthesia is when I was listening to Crew Love by Drake mm-hmm. uh, featuring The Weeknd. And mm-hmm. it goes, there's like a, there's really heavy percussion. Yeah. But there's also like synths that are very like golden and like 
kind of like um chromatic like kind of like multi-chromatic kind of like the weekend says rainbows flowing in one in one line and maybe that's mm-hmm. maybe that's the reason why i think the synths are kind of rainbow-esque yeah but uh overall the song is very like golden and mm-hmm. it it evokes the the sensation and as well as the flavor of red bull huh interesting yeah it sounds like it, it sounds like a carbonated energy drink interesting yeah i could i could feel that i could see that um i i don't i can definitely relate to that on certain levels i've never and i i've at sometimes i i can associate certain colors to certain sounds but it's it's very rare um i know the sound of like a smooth classical guitar is mm. is a deep purple to me nice uh it's like a it's a very like warm sound so it's like i, I i'll attribute like the the this like very mellow purple color because i just feel like it it, it fits with that but typically what is it the I timbre imagine, of it i i don't know what it is exactly about it mm. might be the timbre it just it is might, it just is what it, it is it, it might be the pitch it it just is it's I, I, whenever i hear a classical guitar like you know um it's it's i actually have one here right now it's this sound that is purple to Ooh. me that's like in this like I can purple see that. sound yeah. to me and um the it's within that that area of the spectrum yeah purple indigo bluish but other instruments to me don't have any color whatsoever associated with them like i i don't know i can't say i can't listen to a song and tell you what color it is and i know some mm-hmm. people who have like really developed synesthesia who could be like oh my goodness the song is so green and i'm like i don't know what that means <laughs> yeah i i i know what that means um but it for me i feel like certain tones and pitches have uh certain colors but uh, on a certain level like on a macro level the song kind of coalesces into one color it's like you're, yeah. you're combining certain colors and i feel like the whole color thing um well lights you know colors are are products of light right or, or characteristics yeah. of light and light travels in waves and so does mm-hmm. sound so maybe there's yeah. a correlation there in terms of like the the length of the waves and the colors that they produce Mm-hmm. in the mind who knows it's, it's really fascinating i don't i'm not well enough studied in uh physics to know if there is a strong correlation there but uh mm. yeah some songs just sound orange to me or some sound songs just sound orange and orange and you know yellow or or green and, and, and red silver <laughs> and red bull and yeah even yeah. even just flavors and tastes can be evoked that's, by that's certain sounds that i've I've never had that. I, I think it's such a cool thing to have uh, flavors invoked by um, by a, a melody or a sound. Or I have experienced, like, all right. So, um, do you know about Graystill plays? Have you ever heard of him? No. He's he's a very very famous YouTuber. I love him. I watch him all the time, um, and my fondest memories of watching him, I was having scrambled eggs and ketchup. And now every time I watch, every time I watch Grace still plays, 
I get this unbearable urge for scrambled eggs and ketchup. <laughs> and, and I have to stop whatever I'm doing and go make myself some scrambled eggs and wow. ketchup if, if I put it on. And it's the weirdest thing. And, it's not uh, weird at all. <laughs> I, I don't feel like it's as much I can taste it in my mouth as much as like I'm craving it. I want it now. Wow. Um, it's a trigger for you. Yeah, it's, it's weird, but it's cool. <laughs> so it's like, it's essentially just Pavlovian conditioning, it seems. Just the, yeah. the pairing of two different stimuli that I, happen I, to co-occur. I guess I've just done it so many times. Yeah. That every, every, time it, every time it's on or every time, and it goes vice versa too. Anytime I have scrambled eggs or ketchup, I have to watch Grace Still Plays. <laughs> it's just like the, the it's, two are connected to each other. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's just uh, the connections that you made in your brain have been strengthened by so, so many repeat experiences or repeat instances of that, mm-hmm. that pairing. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, like going to the movie theater too and like um, getting popcorn and a soda. Like whenever I go to the movie theater, you know, remember when that was a thing? Um, yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> whenever I go to the movie theater, I always need to have a popcorn and a soda. Uh, it doesn't even matter what soda. Just I need that carbonated feeling in my mouth and in oh. my stomach, the bubbly feeling. Uh, and yeah, I need I- popcorn. Buttery, now you see, salty popcorn. For me, now there's something about because I don't like the feeling of of like the moisture being pulled out of my mouth. So I'm not in love with having popcorn during a long movie, especially a big thing of popcorn. Because mm-hmm. a you can't stop once you start eating popcorn. There's no stopping. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and um. And like by the end of the movie, my mouth like hurts from the amount of like so, like if I have a slight tiny like cut on the inside of my mouth, all the salt and that just makes oh, my mouth God. sting, and and it just so the the one memory that I've always had with going to the movie theaters was of course soda, specifically a sprite. I always got a sprite. No no uh, no ice because movie theater ice is disgusting especially during a long movie and then it melts and then you get this horrible taste of ice. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I'll get a Sprite and um, what are they called? Um, uh, milk duds. I love those. Yeah. Those are so good, but they leave your mouth in the worst state. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. I like milk duds better than popcorn, and I always get I'll get oh, wow. Sprite and milk duds, and that is my go-to movie theater snack. I've always loved popcorn and milk duds. Just popping one milk dud and then some popcorn, half full Actually, popcorn. Actually, that sounds really good. Yeah, the the, the buttery and then that like caramel yeah. chocolatey flavor. That's it, it doesn't help. I don't know if it helps so much the the popcorn is taking some of the caramel out of my mouth, out of my teeth, but. I mean, it's a good combination. It's yeah. I, I like it as much as I like putting M and M's in my popcorn. I've never done that. Oh no, that's a lie. I have. I, I mean, I've never done it per- personally, but I've had that M and M's with popcorn. But it was like it was more like a uh, a trail mix kind of thing, and it had M and M's and popcorn in it. Oh, okay. It wasn't. It wasn't like just M and M's and popcorn. Huh. So so I could see that being a nice pairing. 
I'm talking about it like it's a wine. Like, yeah, this wine goes excellent <laughs> with M&M's and popcorn. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> Yeah. 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 You ever just want to ask an alien to just take you away? Abduct you in your sleep? Just take you somewhere far away from this godforsaken place? You know what, with COVID and whatnot, and all these anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers and people who just feel like they can rewrite reality. People who feel like reality can bend to their will. They can fight off this extremely dangerous and contagious virus just by sheer will. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Sometimes I really don't. <laughs> so if uh, there's a UFO out there, I really wouldn't be all too mad if y'all came and abducted me. Really. Yeah. That's that. that let, let's let's go with that. There has to be something, something other than us. I don't know if I necessarily believe that you know these um, ex- that there are intelligent extraterrestrial life but i definitely do believe that there is um other forms of life um outside of outside of the earth and also one thing that is isn't often taken to into account is the concept of life in other dimensions mm. you know um what are ex- other dimensions, not just really not just extraterrestrial but extra dimensional life so those extra dimensional life is just parallel universes you mean well not necessarily parallel universes but like what some people might call spirits or beings oh, you, know, you know that that's that like that kind of you know and i don't like to get into it too much because i haven't had the best experiences with this um mm-hmm. but i definitely do believe that um when looking at the universe as a whole and and looking at how um, the uh, how how our place in in the world, um, if you choose to believe in in intelligent extraterrestrial life, that's that's fine and all good. But I still feel like there's some sort of because I, I do feel like there's something special about humanity, mm-hmm. and and stepping out of you know any. Um, religious or, or, you know, what do you call philosophical aspects of of humanity and and what our purpose is. I definitely, and, and maybe this is for my own personal comfort, 
but I do like to feel like there is something special about humans. Um, that that we have this potential for something more than what we are. Hmm. And, you know, it's not, you know, I, I know, I know you like to, what is, what is it that you like to refer to it as? Uh, some people call it uh, uh, God, spirit, um, the oh, cosmic energy of the universe. Infinity? Absolute infinity. Um, or source. I feel, I, I feel like that has a purpose for us. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do feel um, there is a um, a reason that yeah. we are here that we just haven't figured out yet. You know, and and uh, mm. there there are you know there are some answers, but you know, a lot of it is just going to be mostly speculation. You know, if we're going to just take a strictly scientific, if we're going to say we have a purpose and then we're going to take a strictly scientific view on it, it can only be speculation. Um, yeah. You know what I'm totally. saying? I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I like to believe in some kind of divine purpose that was set out for us, too. I mm-hmm. do agree that we are special, though. Um, mm-hmm. of all the organisms that we know of, you know, we essentially, we have a highly, highly, highly developed brain and highly developed intellect. We can mm-hmm. use tools to uh, better ourselves and better the, the world around us. Mm-hmm. We can use language to communicate as we talked about earlier. Um, we are capable of such amazing marvels and feats. Mm-hmm. And we also take it for granted. Um, mm-hmm. But as a species, we're doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, I'm of the belief that we are, as I mentioned in this article and in a previous spoken word poem, uh, that we are all part of the same gargantuan Brobdingnagian superorganism called Earth or Mother Gaia. Yeah. And that yeah. we are physically separate from our planet. We are inextricably connected to it and interdependent with it. Mm-hmm. I do believe that. I absolutely believe that. Yeah. Um, And uh, there are some people, I know I don't personally believe this, but there are some people who believe that humanity is a plague to this organism that is Earth. Mm. Um, Yeah. That that there are some people who believe that we, you know, that humanity is like a cancer. Like mold on a sandwich. Yeah. But I don't believe that. I believe that, you know, there are... You know, let's put it this way. If there is a body, you know, say somebody gets, um, I don't know, stomach cancer or bladder cancer, um, certain cells of their bladder is cancerous. But that doesn't mean that their entire bladder needs to be removed. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like just because some members of the human race are destroying the earth doesn't mean that humanity needs to be removed from it. It's still a, a huge, uh, I mean, the, the, the things that we can um, help for the, help the earth with, you know, the things that we can do to improve the earth is 
is far greater than the things we can do to destroy mm-hmm. the earth. Yet for some reason, a huge portion of the population has decided to devote all of their efforts and energies to, you know, supporting themselves and not benefiting, you know, this, this super organism, you know, mm-hmm. as if they're the, and, as if they're the super organism that they need to tend towards, not the greater good. Yeah. As if exactly. like they're one little area, they're one little cell essentially. And I, I use that word as a, double meaning i guess mm-hmm. uh their their cell within the superorganism is uh all they need to worry about and you know serving others is serving the greater good and yeah you're i mean i feel like that's what um that, that's why you get a, like a feeling of of uh just a positive you just get good vibes a, a rush of good vibes when you help somebody yeah genuinely yeah, and they they show legitimate gratitude towards you, and mm-hmm. um, and it's it takes a lot of it takes a really enlightened person to uh, look at that person and think, hey, that's just another 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 a fellow cell in this grand superorganism. Yeah, and yeah. Um, that's just another part of me essentially, because mm-hmm. you know when I say me, I'm I'm not just talking about my 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 physical body but i'm also talking mm-hmm. about oneness with the universe with everything yeah. around me with earth we're all one that's the buddhist tenet that i, I love to mm-hmm. i guess live my life by yeah yeah there's there's a lot of um a, a lot of very um true concepts in in eastern religions that um I, I feel like tends tends to be over overlooked sometimes, or we won't even say religions, but just philosophies in general. Um, how you know that's why the whole concept of of yin and yang, the whole concept of of there there being two of everything, mm-hmm. you know, one one light, one dark, opposites in the universe. You know, the whole flow of balance in the universe requires that everything be everything grow naturally and and you know everything you you have to have um you have to have a storm Mm -hmm. in order to have growth there needs to be a you need to have rain and sunshine in order for your flowers to grow and i i think that's a very very true statement about the about the world and the universe as as a as a whole um but um there was one thing and this is going back to the the concept of we're all cells on this this giant um organism Mm -hmm. uh and, and i was talking about this earlier to uh someone who who was getting into uh he kept getting into these arguments with you know uh, flat earthers and anti-vax mm-hmm. people and you know th- these these very like uh non people who just like completely ignore science and 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 he was getting into co- conversations with these people and what i was telling him and this is how i like to view people and i feel like it makes it makes me a better person if i do this um and and this is going into more 
more of a different direction talking about this, but um, that's okay. Uh, I, I what I told him was basically that um, I like to treat people um, like that that are like angry and very persistent about their beliefs despite having no evidence to support them. I like to just treat them as mentally ill people mm-hmm. and delusional people and, maybe. Yeah. And well, I feel like we're all, everybody on, on the, on the earth has, has some sort of mental illness or another. I, I don't think there's a single person who, who is quote unquote mentally stable. You know, mental stability is just, I, I think it's, an, it's partially an illusion that, that, you know, we've created to, to um, our ideal uh, of perfection uh, that we currently do not have. Maybe one day can achieve, but we don't currently have this perfection. And, yeah. you know, I think that's actually improved my relationship with people by thinking to myself, this person's an, an imperfect person. You know, if, mm-hmm. if somebody with Down syndrome, you know, started rambling about the earth being flat, I'm not going to all of a sudden jump on that person and say, how could you believe that? Because they have Down syndrome. And, and it's like this poor person, you know, they, they're, but once it's somebody who is completely mentally stable, according to, you know, uh, our, you know, uh, societal, mm-hmm. uh, what's it called, uh, interpretation of what mental stability is supposed to mean, and say, this person's a bad person for believing that, then we start to develop hatred and anger towards somebody that th- doesn't really understand. Yeah, for know? sure. And uh, just to go back to, you know, all of us being mentally ill in some way, I feel like mm. even the process of being born is a very traumatic process. Yeah, you're, you're heard, in a placenta for that. months and then you're uh, birthed out of this really tight space, this tight canal here. Yeah. And then you're brought into a world of light with these strange alien beings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like this guy, this scary... Uh, scary doctor in a in a white coat uh holding you birth must like it must be like just repressed in our memories that's why no none yeah. of us can remember can remember it but uh can yeah. you imagine just being a newborn and what you be experiencing you don't have the like the, the uh capability to form memories yet but you must mm-hmm. be experiencing just sheer terror at what you're experiencing because you're you come out of this womb womb and um, all of a sudden, uh, you're, you're feeling all these new sensations, these, this touch on your body, on this body, essentially, for yeah. the first time in, you know, probably ever. Or if you believe in reincarnation, probably the first time in mm. a long time. Almost every belief system I know, and, and I'm, I'm not going to get, you know, too much into religious beliefs, but, you know, going into like Judaism and Christianity. And um, I, I mean, I, I could, I could continue to list all uh, ancient Greek mythology. Even mm-hmm. the ancient Greeks believed that we were created in the image of the gods. And 
you know, that is that is a, a belief system that is is consistent throughout mm-hmm. uh, most most beliefs. That I mean, I should say that is a belief that is consistent throughout most belief systems. Um, yeah, which I find 100%. fascinating, and I, I I I do believe there's a degree of truth to it. Yeah, if if all these disparate religions can come up with similar stories with similar symbols and themes mm-hmm. there must be like within that overlap anyway mm-hmm. within the essence of it there must be truth universal truth maybe yeah. or spiritual yeah. truth mm-hmm. and that's that's what i love to investigate because mm-hmm. uh, i feel like we haven't put it all together yet yeah and that's why i love the idea of pantheism which is you know you can define it two ways you can define it as kind of like oh, you subscribe to multiple uh, theistic systems of belief mm-hmm. or you subscribe to the idea that the universe is God and the divine, yeah. a manifestation. We are all manifestations of the divine. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what Einstein believed in, I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he wasn't that religious, but yeah. he was definitely a pantheist in the definition I described. Yeah. In the way that I described, yeah. It is. It is interesting. It's, you know, it's very deep, and uh, you know, once you start <laughs> start doing it, once you start doing research into it, you're you're down a rabbit hole that you're not coming out of. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, it's there. There's a lot of information on that topic, and uh, it, it's it, it's it's an amazing thing, and I do I do really. I, I always felt more comfortable, the most comfortable with, with um, talking about Native American uh, beliefs or, or Native American. Um, uh, it's not really beliefs as much as it is a, a philosophy. Um, and you were talking about the Cree have this belief and also uh, the Navajo. And um, I, I know even, even the natives out mm. by me. Um, is, is the concept that, you know, that you cannot own land mm-hmm. and, and that to, to say that, you know, the, the whole concept of mother earth, if you will, and, um, owning, owning land is like saying that is like taking a piece away from mother earth. Now, unfortunately in this society and the system, the way this world is built, we are required to either have land or an apartment or mm-hmm. you know something in order for us to be able to exist in society um, but you know our you know our purpose and, and if we're going to go to some ancient texts i know in the torah and in the quran and even in the in the bible it talks about and, and there's several other holy books that also talk about how um the the earth um was meant to um if we're, if we're going to go back to uh the uh jewish te- the old jewish texts that the the um earth was uh created for man and man, uh, man and woman or mankind as a whole and they were meant to fill the earth um, with people and to uh, 
make it a beautiful paradise, a beautiful mm-hmm. garden. And, and they were placed in like, you know, you hear the story of the garden of Eden or, um, the, uh, Iroquois have, uh, the story of, uh, the, the goddess that fell from the sky onto the back of the turtle. And, mm. and she was to make, uh, the, the earth, the entire earth out of, out of the, uh, the, the soil that the muskrat brought up from, from the ground. And she was to turn that and plant trees and, and, t- and cultivate it that way. And there's so many different, you know, stories that have that element of our purpose on earth is, is to take care of it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to, to be one with it. And I think that's just such a beautiful, um, what what's the word uh a parable a beautiful so uh, uh allegory allegory yeah um there's there's another word i'm looking for uh just a mindset really it's a beautiful way to think uh um and i and i feel like if if you have this mindset this way of thinking you know I, I, I think about this, some of the people that live the longest. I went down to Ecuador um, and the people that live in the Andes mountains live, live very long lives. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they're very healthy people. And I went out, you know, I went down to, I, I was in the, I went to the city of Cuenca, which is a beautiful city. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very old, very big, beautiful churches and, and, and very, uh, uh, it's it's a great photography spot if you ever end up there and you want to take some nice pictures. Cuenca awesome. is a beautiful place to go. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it, um, after the, uh, you know, while I was in Cuenca, I met some people down there that uh, that lived in uh, the city of Baute. Baute is just a little ways, mm-hmm. I think, north of Cuenca, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember. And they took me to Los Montanos to, to the mountains. Um, or Las, Man- Las Montanas, whatever they call it. Uh, there's this area, I interpreted the word as farms, but it might mean something else. The, the Spanish word is campos. Okay. Um, but basically they were like farms and large fields and, and, and everything that they ate, you know, even, even in the city of Cuenca was grown just nearby, you know, there was nothing that was like here, all of our food here in the United States. And I think Canada too, I'm sure you, uh, our meat is loaded up with antibiotics and our, um, our vegetables are loaded with, um, uh, what, what do they call them? Uh, GMOs, mm-hmm. you know, they're gen- genetically modified and, and it's just like, you're not eating anything real, you know? Mm. And and the people down there were just so much more. I'm sorry if I'm I'm rambling. That's but, okay. Keep um, going. The the people down there were definitely more in touch with the earth. You know the grounds, yeah. the the soil they stood on. That's what we're missing in today's world. Yeah. Um, just the just the idea of being a steward to Mother Gaia mm-hmm. and caring for Mother Gaia as their mother essentially because mm-hmm. mother gay is literally your mother we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for earth for the mm-hmm. planet and these mother fracking one percenters just don't understand mm-hmm. that and uh yeah 
they uh, work towards, you know, just their own profits. They mm-hmm. that's that's what they prioritize rather than, you know, saving the earth. They're yeah. actively playing a part in his destruction, just for a short-term monetary gain, which is the most egregious part about it, really. Yeah. Although I did hear, not you know, that there are people out there who do have a lot of money who do do good things for the earth, like the guy. Oh who, yeah, right. Did, did you hear about <laughs> the guy who, the guy who, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, to, uh, who in, who made Fortnite? Did you hear about that? No. He he. And, uh, and don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not trying to put all rich people into. No, the no, same no. Boss I didn't think that as, at like, all. Mustache twirling villains of our world, but you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't think that at all. But what I'm trying to say, I guess maybe that is the optimist in me, is is like kind of hopeful because there are still people who do have power because there are a lot of power hungry people that don't do anything with their power, but but to, but you know support mm-hmm. themselves and grow their own power and you know. But the guy, the guy who made Fortnite, bought you know he purchased like a whole bunch of of lands that was just forest wow. to, to protect to protect the forest to protect that natural land and i'm like he's gonna turn it into what? a fucking battlefield for port like a real life yeah fortnite. i know that's what that's what guys <laughs> commented he's like now it's time to kidnap a hundred kids and drop them in battle royale for real uh, you've had enough virtual practice it's time for the real thing <laughs> uh, that's funny but you know there's i there are people like that that you know gives me hope and and I think that's something that we all need a little bit more of is hope. I think uh I heard in in the last podcast podcast uh, episode 0. I don't know who mentioned it. Um but he was talking about the rabbits in front of uh Oh, Heinrich. His house yeah. Looking, yeah. And I was like this just completely explain you know it sums up really everything about our universe um Mm. my uh uh, my cbt he he used this analogy do you have a pen and paper nearby or something i do let me just pull up my one note i can i have a keyboard and screen oh do i need to draw or yeah uh... you need you need to be able to draw okay i'll get i'll get a pad here because and and everybody listening, do this too because this is this is a really cool thought 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 process. Okay, cool. I'm ready. Okay, so you you got your pad and pen. Yep, I have a felt sure. pen. No, it's actually a sharp point pen, sharpie, fine oh, cool. point. All right. It's a blue one. Now, draw a dot on your page. Just How a big? tiny, tiny dot, tiny dot, as small as you can make it, and still see it. Now you see that dot. That dot is everything that you and I know. And when I say everything that you know, that's everything that you know, that's everything that I know, that's everything that everybody in humanity knows. Mm-hmm. All right. Draw a circle around that dot. Make it as big or as small as you want. Now that circle is everything that we know that we don't know. So everything that that's outside of our our field of knowledge 
we know that the stars exist um, and we know that, you know, um, other galaxies exist, but maybe something that we don't know is we won't know how to get to them in our lifetime. We know that it's possible, but we might not know how to do it. Um, something else. That, and that's a really big concept. Then there are things that happen in our daily lives that we don't know what somebody else is thinking, what somebody else is feeling. We know that they're thinking and feeling. We just don't know what it is. Everything outside mm-hmm. of that circle is what we don't even know we don't know. Wow. Every, everything yeah. out, in, out mm-hmm. into infinity is, is <laughs> everything that can possibly exist in the entire universe. And we have no idea that it's even there. We have no idea that it's even possible, never mind the fact that it's there. And, and it, just, it just puts like our to end. This is an extreme version of it because... If we're going to be realistic, that dot, that tiny black dot in the middle would be microscopic if we're going to be, be true to the, you know, analogy of this. Mm-hmm. There, there's an infinite amount of things that we don't know about. And, you know, I, I just thought it was a, a very appropriate thing that we could say that going back to absurdism you know that talking about um Mm. the fact that you know there is no meaning to life or there is no trying to ascribe something to it is just we don't know (laughs) there is so much that we can't even even fathom that you know ascribing a, a philosophy to it or ascribing um a uh what's like just a, a a belief to it that you know we have set in stone that this is this and this is this is the way things are and and there's no way it can be any different mm-hmm. in itself is is kind of hypocritical when you come to think about it because there's so much that if if we're going to say that there is that there exists an entity you know uh, you say it again. It's in something infinity. Absolute infinity. It? Absolute infinity. Okay. Oh, it's not absolute. an entity. It's just everything. Well, absolute infinity. If we want to call it absolute infinity, if we want to call it an entity, if we want to call it something, whatever it is, um, let's call it raw. There's something that exists. Ra, the Egyptian sun god. No, the, the interdimensional alien who uh, wrote the law of one. Oh. Oh, actually, that's probably the same guy. <laughs> yeah i think yeah they have the same name so probably uh i like how raw uh, just has one name like the interdimensional higher density alien who uh is channeled by the writers of the law of one have you heard of the law of one by the way no i haven't oh that's something to look into um fascinating stuff the core message is we are all one uh-huh. and that we are currently it ties back into what we've been talking about the whole podcast. And I think this is a, it's, it's nice to drop that tidbit of info here uh, about the yeah. law of one. Um, essentially is it's like a spiritual belief system. Now like a new age, spiritual belief system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ra is a uh, higher dimensional alien being who calls themselves a 
memory complex of some sort or mm. anyways it's a hive mind essentially yeah. uh, of an alien race that has helped humanity along mm. po- very probably the same rod the sun god that you know contacted mm. the egyptians um but yeah it's it's i don't know what else to say about it other than it's worth reading into yeah uh sorry to interrupt you but no that's that's um, right that it's interesting it's interesting um, yeah. And um, ba- basically, yeah. basically what I was saying, though, is that whatever that is, um, whatever mm-hmm. the universal energy may be, I think the most important thing to do is to learn to be content with knowing that we're not going to know everything. And I think that's mm-hmm. the hardest, hardest thing as an overthinker, you know, is being content with not knowing everything Mm -hmm. and uh you know i have i have a we have a friend who is 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 like that he needs to know everything right i'm like that i need to know everything and knowing gives you a sense of security yeah it It gives you a sense of control over the world Mm -hmm. it's like okay, I know this thing, I know the state of this thing, so I, I can relax. But yeah. not knowing puts you in a state of uncertainty and anxiety. Yeah. And kind of like what we were talking about earlier to start off the episode, how you're more of a backwards thinker, more of a retrospective thinker. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know, I don't think that's the word you use, but you're, you tend to get more caught up in the past. In the pet. Yeah, in the past. Rather than yeah, what could go wrong. You think mm-hmm. about what did go wrong. Yeah. And uh um did you want to talk about that the story you told me? Cuz I feel like that that'd be a great way to end off the podcast. It it is a funny story. It's fun and um it kind of does tie everything together if you really think about it. The whole concept of that you know not being able to change the past to this day regardless of how stupid I was in my past. Mm-hmm. It, it haunts me and um but it is a funny story and i have kind of learned uh to uh say, saying it out loud uh kind of find humor in it mm-hmm. to really understand my view on on this story i i call this the blonde incident <laughs> and and to really understand my view on this whole story, uh, you really have to look at um, my personal culture. Um, I was born in New York City, and hence New York I, Vinny. Yep, hence New York Vinny. <laughs> and I uh, I definitely have um, more. Um, I, I, I come from an Italian background and I definitely would have to say I am uh, personality wise more of a city person than I am a suburban person. Mm-hmm. If there's such a thing, um, there is. I am not, I am not used to the suburban life. And when I was, despite moving out to uh, a suburban area, when I was very young, I still haven't completely to this day don't feel like i've acclimated to it uh there was definitely a culture shock moving 
from the city to out here. Um, there is a big, um, the majority of the population is uh, white. Mm-hmm. I went to a school. I want to say there was like maybe only uh, two black kids in my grade and almost no Spanish people. Um, and Filipino kids? You know, nope. Not at all? Nope. I think I, I think I had one girl in my my grade who was uh she she was part uh korean and Mm -hmm. part uh um farsi Mm -hmm. um and and uh well if persian persian farsi is the language Mm -hmm. persian persian is the race um so uh well at least i think that's the case anyway um so the the whole um the the whole story begins with my use of language, you know, and and now I'm beginning to realize we're definitely touching on topics that that we mentioned yeah. and we talked about how this how from culture <laughs> how from how from culture to culture, um, the use of language, like even within the same language like English, is very different. So when I was younger, I had the expression "dumb blonde." Now, for me, linguistically, where I came from, there were no blonde people. I want to say, um, and anybody that was blonde dyed their hair. There were no natural mm-hmm. blondes. And I moved from a place where everybody was either Hispanic or Asian or Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some Irish people and some Polish people, but they were far and in between, and I didn't really know them that well. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, so... I, oh, I grew up with the expression "dumb blonde," referring to a very specific, uh, what's the word? Uh, stereotype, or not a stereotype? Just like, like a, a, a very specific group of people. Oh, okay. Like, like a, a a very specific. They it didn't necessarily mean that you a were subset blonde. of a subset. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So, so it, it, it had nothing to do with the actual color of your hair or the color of your skin. It had to do with a mentality more than anything. And that was a ditzy teenage girl who was constantly on her cell phone, extremely rude to adults, and never, um, you know, uh, never made eye contact with you um, and was just always chewing bubble gum and always just straight out, you know, valley girl rude and i think that was a better word was yeah. valley girl i should have used but in my mind it was dumb blonde that was the word and <laughs> uh <clears throat> and so i go from this you know very ethnic area to move into a very i, I would almost use the word i would use is almost sterile um when it came to culture uh, they were all, for lack of a better word, <laughs> waspy. They were, mm-hmm. you know, very, um, a lot of people, a lot of people with blonde hair and blue eyes, a lot of, you know, <laughs> like descend, like some of these people were descended from the Mayflower, you know? <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's definitely going back, uh, you know, long, these, these are like, 
American Americans, the kind of Americans that you see on television, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, you know, that media, so, you know, in the media. All right. So I was about six years old, moved out here. Fast forward six years later, I'm 12. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting to this conversation with this girl who is, um, she's a brunette. And we're talking about her likes and dislikes. And she says uh, something along the lines like, uh, my sister's a teenager. I can't stand teenagers. And my automatic response mm-hmm. to that is, oh, I hate teenagers too, especially the dumb blondes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this girl blows her top. I've like, she loses it. She gets up. She goes from in the cafeteria, from table to table, to all of the blonde girls in, in my, my grade and tells them that Vinny said blondes were stupid. I said no such thing. Mm-hmm. I said dumb blondes. Yeah, like the worst game of telephone. Meant, yeah, which to me <laughs> meant something very specific. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when, uh, when I... Uh, hold on a sec. So I get... Um, I get word that they're going to go tell the lunch monitor um, on me. And there's this angry mob, you know, like a genuine mob wailing pitchforks and mm-hmm. torches. Yeah. Like, like that. <laughs> that, that. That they decide. They're Picket signs and everything. Mo- yeah. They're going to go to the lunch monitor and they're going to tell the lunch monitor, who, by the way, I should mention, is also blonde, that Vinny said that all blondes are stupid. Mm-hmm. All right. It was... So here comes this like crowd of blonde girls. I'm not joking when I say there was at least ten girls. <laughs> An army of blonde girls. Yeah, and and this one blonde lunch monitor walking over to me. I'm terrified. I know I'm in trouble. And the yeah. lunch monitor, the lunch monitor asks me. She says, "These blonde girls said that you said that all blondes are stupid. Is that true?" <laughs> and I said, and my answer was, "Yes, I said that." I'm sorry. Because I was terrified of adults. Madness, chaos erupts. Yeah. I Bjork was is in the background singing for some reason. <laughs> I, you need an army of me. <laughs> I, I think I was just scared of authority. I think that was my thing. So I would have rather just said, yeah, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, you know, no, I, ne- I never said that. I said... Um, you couldn't own up to your actions. I, I couldn't. You couldn't own up to what you said. I was twelve <laughs> years old. I couldn't art. I couldn't articulate my words properly to to say, you know. I did not tell these girls that they were stupid, which is what I which is what I should have said. I, you know, <laughs> is that what you should have said? I, was, I definitely feel like I should have said that. Okay. Um, I, I think if, if, if I had said that, you know, she would have been less angry, Mm -hmm. you know, the lunch runner, uh, but she treated me as if I had just said an absolutely awful racial slur, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in, in, uh, you know, ethnic school to like a bunch of like, to, to like a minority and just like. I felt like I was being attacked for like being a racist. And I'm like, I'm not a racist. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I just don't know you English. You literally said something off the cuff, like offhand. You made an offhand comment 
and yeah. this dumb brunette blows it up in your face. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I mean that. <laughs> no, no, but it's true. But there you go. <gasps> He's a brunette. I wasn't even <laughs> talking to a blonde girl. Yeah. It's not, you know, if I was talking to funnier. a blonde girl, yeah, if I was talking to a blonde girl, you know what? So I, I would have been like, yeah, do you know what? I was wrong. I shouldn't have said this. But I was talking to a brunette. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like of all of the things. Uh, and uh, it's amazing that her and I stayed friends after that because I was so mad at her. And there we go. Happy ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I actually became friends because of that experience with some of the blonde girls after that. That's they, hilarious. They were like. They, they they didn't know who I was and now they now I was known to them and they were like oh he's not such a bad guy <laughs> that is a great story I really enjoy hearing that story for a second time but I, yeah. I love that story because there's so much to unpack there and there's yeah there's so much about like just mob mentality to yeah like racist bigotry and um, and also the psychology of of a lunch lady who uh, took something really personally. It's like who yeah. took something a student said very personally. Which, you know, yeah. is that the right way to react to a student saying something you know, like, offensive to you? Even though it's, the student doesn't know better. They're just a kid who's yeah. dabbling. No especially at 12. Especially at 12. <laughs> no, I, I'm not offended at all. I was 12 years old. And <laughs> if there are any 12-year-olds listening to this, A, why <laughs> um, you saw the explicit sign you naughty little yeah yeah shit. Why, why are you listening to this but b <laughs> you're stupid i'm sorry i, I love you kids are stupid experience yeah kids are stupid they're inexperienced and they need they need more life experience to know how to handle situations properly let me amend and... let me amend that statement by saying all kids are stupid except for my kid <laughs> i don't have a kid so all kids are stupid. yeah yeah I'm just there, kidding. There you go. I'm just kidding. There you go. Kids are very intuitive and very intelligent in their own ways, but when it comes to like people smarts, they're not the best. They're not experts. I think that I do think though that would be a great, you know, topic to discuss at another time is, you know, uh, like how there is an element of like, you know, childhood innocence that, you know, we kind of lose as as an as adults you know that you know their creativity and their ability to you know come up with new cool situations mm-hmm. and, and storytelling i wish i had the storytelling ability of of 12 year old me i was i i was a, a storyteller that is for sure <laughs> there you have it folks next time with new york video we're talking about <laughs> keeping the childlike wonder alive um, awesome. There's so much to talk about uh, in terms of that alone, but um, I'm really and, glad. And we could go, we can go on for an eternity. About we it. could. Um, <laughs> let's just try to get past this next year, and mm-hmm. uh, then you know, once they figure out the cure for aging, we can go for an eternity, literally. Yeah, yeah. As a techno optimist, I'm totally waiting for that to happen because I know it we'll, just doesn't. Just as an optimist, period, I'm I'm waiting for that to happen. Yeah. Anyways, uh, thanks for coming on the show. It was a pleasure talking to you. I...
And you, dear listener, thank you so much for listening to the Overthinkers Anonymous podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free, if you're so inclined, to leave us a voicemail via the link in the description of the show. It can be about anything. It can be a story, a spoken word poem, a rap, a song, a rant, anything you want, within reason, of course. And we'll put it on the show. Peace.